Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Rebecca Lynch is sitting across from me, and I have the proud privilege to announce her new title. She has joined the Deputy Dogs. She is now the Deputy Director at the Wisconsin Working Families Congratulations on your new title. You're you're like me. We're deputies. We're deputy Let's dogs. Do fist bump, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, our panel includes Robert Craig, the top dog, the executive director here at Citizen Action. He joins us by phone from Chicago. Robert Craig. Uh, good day, and uh, thank you, Matt, for owning your your deputy dog title. I've been using it in a while. Oh, I own it. I wear it. It's I've had it for so long. Anyways. We have a great, great show today. There's so much to talk about. Um, sorry we missed you last week. We took a week off, our producer Brian Wildridge. And when I end the show saying the show doesn't happen without him, literally, when he goes on vacation, the show doesn't happen. <laughs> so we're glad to have Brian back, uh, a well-deserved vacation. We hope everybody enjoyed their Labor Day weekend. Uh, you know, if you're dealing with flooding right now, and a lot of folks are in various places around the state um we're we're with you uh it's just it's there's nothing we can say that's going to make it better but i know communities pitch in at times like this but um a lot of you are struggling with that so uh we just we're thinking of y'all and remember and remember this is human caused no good point yeah, robert no what robert's trying to do is remind me that we should never ever talk about these kind of things without also saying like look this this stuff is caused by by climate change, right, and what we're experiencing. This isn't just a bad weather week. So, um, Robert, good point. We should always tie those two together. It's a human-made natural disaster. There you go. So with that, um, we're thinking and hoping the best for everyone who's experiencing uh, these floods. So um, let's talk about the elections. A lot has happened. Uh, everybody knows uh, post-Labor Day, that's when the general election really starts to get going. Um, Although it really started immediately right after the primary, and we, we've talked about that on the show. And I want to start our conversation about what's been going on politically by just, I, I want to pose a question to, to, to both of you. The Walker campaign has just absolutely doubled down is not enough description for what they're put into this campaign to go after Evers on the porn, the teacher porn case. I don't need to go into the details because it's been nonstop, um, and including this week, having a coordinated and orchestrated effort by state legislators to push back and somehow say that Tony Evers is not at all involved, in, was not at all involved in trying to, to change the law. But I don't want to get into that rat hole. I want to ask both of you, I mean, this seems to me to be awfully weak. And like, if this is the best they got, um, this is probably very problematic. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on it as, as a, just as a strategy uh, by Walker. Robert, why don't you kick us off? Well, I like to remind our listeners whenever we're doing Supreme Court races, for example, or Attorney General races, that you don't have to uh, guess that they're going to find a way to talk about uh, child pornography or some issue of that emotional intensity. Uh, they're just going to ask a question of how, not whether. And so this is now applying to a governor's race. And so clearly they think, and by the way, negative kind of smears work if you have, a, 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 have some kind of hook to the narrative. If it's not completely debunkable, even then it may work. 
And so they know that, and they know how they're desperate about Governor Walker and, and how unpopular he is and how hard it's going to be for him to win a third term. And so they need to destroy Tony Evers, and they have that opportunity because he is still relatively unknown. And so it's a classic false issue. I mean, it's had multiple layers. That is to say, uh, the idea that Tony Evers left children unprotected and uh, endangered them, right, is silly because the teacher was fired, right? So whether or not Tony, it was legal for Tony to immediately revoke his license or not, Tony says it wasn't, and the law was changed later, which would seem to indicate the Republicans agreed there needed to be a law change. Uh, it had nothing to do with leaving kids unprotected, but the ad is literally by the Republican Party, it's called unprotected. And then the question of whether the teacher's license, the key thing here, is also silly, decisions on hiring and assignment are made by local school boards and by principals. But I do think that, in a way, Tony is, uh, his campaign, anyway, has opened himself up a little to this in terms of their damage control on this, because by simply granting all the premises of the ad and then saying, well, Tony didn't do it because he couldn't legally do it, and then, and then he advocated a legal change, now he's set up this he wasn't really that involved, and the Republican legislators did it, and of course the Republican legislators claiming that, rather than, I think, in, in, in a legal kind of argument, you don't grant all the premises you don't have to. And so, I mean, that's just a tactical question, but ethically speaking, this is just another example of, of the winner-takes-all approach of conservatives and Scott Walker. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting attack because I think the Republicans know how big of an issue education will be in this election. And so tying an attack on Tony Evers to education, obviously an easy thing to do because of his position, uh, his current elected position. But, you know, I think that that in a way is smart, but I still feel as if, and maybe I'm just in a bubble or an echo chamber, but I feel as if this is like a really strange kind of small attack. And it just rings to me, as if like they just don't have enough negatives on Tony. And so this is all they have. And so they're really trying to get the most they can out of it. And it seems like I hate using this word, but people have been using it all week. So it's in my head. It just feels like a nothing burger. And so like if folks keep, I, I, I just like, I think it goes to show that there isn't much bad that one can say about Tony. And it seems as if the Republicans recognize that there's a lot of negatives about their opponent and they perceive perhaps that the only way through this election is to up the negatives on the Democratic nominee. I think Rebecca, Matt, makes a great point there. It's certainly a policy nothing burger. Of course, you know, that's the problem with our modern big money elections. Uh, I think their argument for it would be that they're going after Tony's main qualification, right? Because it's in education. Uh, the question is whether it's credible to any swing voters. And if they, if they hear it over and over and over again because they'll have $50 million to spend, then it's potentially dangerous. But the other thing about it interesting from kind of a worldview perspective is notice how they're trying to convert education into a law and order issue, a crime issue. And so that actually points to exactly the problem with conservative movement, the conservative movement, that they think school safety has to do with keeping, pre keeping teacher predators away from students, that that's the primary problem, 
not funding education and not providing all of the support that kids need in order to succeed in school, which is a lot more than Governor Walker or the conservative movement wants to provide to them. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the attorney general race, and that's going to we're going to hear actually those issues merge, Robert, where he's going to talk endlessly about all the money he gave to schools for safety. <laughs> so he actually merges money and safety. The general is leading on education. There's your conservative vision for education. <laughs> so one thing that I wanted to point out, which I think I'm, I'm in Rebecca's camp on this. I, I tend to think they got a whole lot of nothing here. It sounds very good. It sounds juicy because it has all the sort of scintillating things that they like. Um, and I do agree that it goes after, tries to go after and say he was somehow not really, truly a credible, uh, fully aware, visionary kind of leader, education leader at, in, in his core thing that he's supposed to say that is his great skill or, or uh, reason for being there. Um, but I tend to believe it's nothing. And part of the nothingness has come out, came out Wednesday. Um, there was a great orchestrated effort to get the state legislators, the Republican state legislators, to come out and say that Tony Evers was totally uninvolved, even though DPI registered against, had people testify against <laughs> um, the the bill that Robert was before. Yeah, sorry, Four. sorry, Robert. The bill changed the law so you can suspend the license. They're also making very technical arguments, such as well. There weren't Democratic co-sponsors of the bill showing Tony's not involved when, in fact, they all voted for it. So uh, what are they talking about? Well, and it gets to the point, the point being Fitzgerald was asked about what has been going on at Lincoln Hills. And basically Fitzgerald admits that he was extremely, very disappointed, he said, about that more proactive things were not handled there, and, and that the Walker administration essentially is at fault. And let's be honest, right, what was going on there was way above and beyond anything that's being referenced that might have happened, right? There was actual sexual assault going on. There's actual violence occurring against, uh, uh, against uh, youth, right? And he's admitting that, that they really screwed up on that. And, you know, one could argue they have much more control, Walker and his administration, of that operation than, as you mentioned, Robert, whether a teacher gets assigned in, in a district. So it just shows the nothing burger that, 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 that Rebecca was talking about. Something out really important. Notice how they've emotionally made it feel like a kid was actually abused, right, when nothing like that happened. But emotionally speaking, they're associating kids porn, kids teacher looking at porn. Do you see what I mean? So it's all of the, you see how good they are at emotional triggers? That's, that's my concern. We'll see if it moves poll numbers. But I'm concerned that, uh, about how emotional the triggers are that they're using here with this very disingenuous and misleading ad. Robert, we got to get out of here. we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We'll be right back. Welcome back. The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are talking about the governor's race in particular. We're just analyzing the Walker strategy around their ads. I think it's time for us to move on <laughs> with that discussion. Um, Want to talk a little bit about the attorney general's race. This thing is going to be heating up. We're talking about over $2.5 million worth of ads that outside groups uh, that the Republicans are going to be putting in against uh, Josh Call. Um, 
Rebecca, we, we haven't talked much about this race, but this is one of those sleeping races where um, Schimmel's vulnerable. He has not been a very popular or stellar or distinguishing uh, attorney general and has actually had some very high-profile mess-ups. A um, lot of money, though, is going to come in. Um, your thoughts just on this race? We have not talked much about this. Yeah, attorney general is a very powerful and important position, uh, both in what that uh, elected attorney general chooses to go after and prosecute and what they choose not to. And so it, it's a really important seat. Uh, and in some of the larger states like California and New York, you see, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars going into these races. It's critically important. And we see now, you know, attorneys general, um, you know, looking into the Trump administration, going after Wall Street. Um, so these are across the country, really important positions, but also in Wisconsin. And even though we, you know, population wise and, and you know, our state economy is smaller than some of those larger states, we're still seeing millions of dollars go into this race. And in particular, you mentioned that Schimmel is vulnerable. We see a lot of money from the NRA going in to protect Schimmel. And guns is one of those issues where the attorney general does have a lot of power to kind of shape policy, either with the bully pulpit or with the with the courts. And so, you know, I think the fact that the NRA is spending so much money in a year when, you know, they've really got to try to keep the House. And I think that Democrats going back the House, spending so much money in this attorney general race is, I think, something that is worth taking note of. Before we go to Robert, I do want to point out one thing that's interesting this week. Speaking of uh, Schimmel and his record is uh, this week there's an important case being held uh, related to Texas and uh, throwing out the Affordable Care Act, of which Schimmel is you know, a lead co-sponsor on along with the Texas Attorney General. So while we have this conversation, his record is, again, just to remind everybody, very big supporter of repealing uh, the Affordable Care Act. Robert, your thoughts? Well, obviously, that the amount of money being spent is amazing, and this is probably the new normal in our uh, Citizens United uh, deregulated election world, where right-wing candidates are going to have almost unlimited money, and a candidate like Josh Call, even though he's a very experienced guy with a lot of connections, still just has to raise it, you know, dollar by dollar, so to speak, to even get on the air. And so they certainly don't do it for nothing. And the Republican Governance Association is just a shell organization that runs through big billionaire and corporate money, right? Uh, and so, obviously, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of interests, the NRA, Rebecca pointed out, but many corporate interests who would be held accountable by the attorney general's office, who have a huge vested interest in having this guy, and then just whether he even prosecutes wrongdoing within Republican administrations. But Matt pointed out the huge thing that that day that Governor Walker announced he was going to try to stabilize premiums on the Affordable Care Act marketplace after seven years of sabotage, he authorized Brad Schimmel to join this lawsuit, uh, and, and the hearing was in Texas this week, the, uh, the court hearing, where literally if he and the other Republican attorney general succeed, then it's going to be deemed unconstitutional to tell insurance companies that they have to have essential benefits like, uh, like, like fraternity care, um, and uh, or uh, ban discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions. So literally say this is some sort of 18th century federal government that can't even deal with issues like that, which is just shockingly radical if you think about it. Forget all the little pretense about the various clauses of the Constitution. They think the federal government doesn't have that authority. That is a shocking idea, but now it's mainstream, thanks to the right-wing movement. 
Oh, no, I totally agree with that. And I, I just think um, on the political front, we have a very strong slate this cycle. I think Tony Evers is a strong candidate for governor. Mandela Barnes is probably the best lieutenant governor candidate we've had in a long time. Certainly um, someone who is, you know, making waves across the country and people are looking at. But up and down the ticket, you know, Sarah Godlewski, for state treasurer, Citizen Action Co-op member, um, this uh, our candidate for attorney general. And then all of the folks I know we're going to talk more about state legislature later. And so this is going to be you know, for that reason alone, a tough cycle for Republicans. And then when you look at how much higher turnout is, not just among Democrats, but among progressives, the huge win we had this week in Massachusetts with Ayanna Presley, you know, folks are paying attention, they're informed, and they're coming out to vote. And so it's no wonder that um, there's so much. I, I agree with Robert that post-Citizen United, this amount of money is the new normal. But I also see it as a strong indication that they're very concerned about this. Or the, the Republicans, I should say, are very concerned about this race. Well, it'll be interesting, you know. Yeah. We'll we'll see with Walker. I think I think there's a l- diminishing return on these ads, right? You see so much, it's just like, you know, dollar for dollar. I think they 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 get l- a lot less bang for the buck. And as we've talked about before, Walker's a very much a known commodity. The polling numbers haven't moved much. Um, this is g- going to be a tight race, but he's certainly in uh, very vulnerable. So. A lot of this negative stuff, right, is how do you, how do you drive down the Evers vote? Just, just realize, so for the two ad campaigns, Tony Evers opens up on health care, education, and roads. Three huge public issues the governor has a, a lot to do with. Walker, what Walker opens up with is, you know, faked up charges around uh, kids being endangered. And can I just say a quick thing about Wisconsin's choice? Because I know, um, you know, a lot of Citizen Action Co-op members and listeners of this radio show and podcast across the state have participated in that process. So, you know, uh, before the primary number of forums, house parties, people caucusing, talking to their neighbors, um, trying to sift through that huge field. And we, we tried to do that, too, on this podcast. Now, post-primary, we've got the Evers Barnes ticket. And so with the Wisconsin's Choice Project, which is an organizing project, you know, where thousands of people across the state have participated, now we've got to get to work. And so if folks want to get plugged in now um, in, term, uh, in terms of efforts to defeat the Walker agenda um, and otherwise kind of like boost a people's agenda throughout the state in the context of this election, you'll, you'll get an email probably later today. It's, you know, we tape on Thursday mornings. Um, you'll be able to plug in. But on Wednesday, September 12th, 630 to 8. Uh, Tony Evers and Medella Barnes are going to be able to make their case directly to us. So if you're in Milwaukee, you'll be able to RSVP and show up in person. But we're going to have like a high quality live stream that's going to go out again, 630 on Wednesday, where folks can, you know, listen uh, to Tony Medella answer some pretty tough questions. And, you know, the candidates will have an opportunity to talk about what their core values are. And then after that forum, you know, we'll have a referendum about how we as Wisconsin Choice participants want to participate moving forward and then and then we're all going to get to work so keep an eye out for that yeah the work piece is key right this we're, we're at that moment where getting involved and helping and uh starting to knock doors and uh make the phone calls is absolutely critical and so um we're going to talk more about that in our upcoming segments we're going to do some interviews with some of our members who are running for state legislature here in Wisconsin, and we're super excited. There's over we have 16 members that are actually challenging Republican incumbents, so that's uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, but we will be speaking with uh, Julie Henze and also Emily Segrist uh, later in the show. But uh, Robert, I know uh, 
down in Chicago before we let you go, since you're going to have to jump into a conference. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit before we go to break about uh, Tammy Baldwin Healthcare. We've been talking about and the pre-existing condition pledge you, uh, that sh that she signed yesterday, and that we're hoping that we really want to put pressure on Leah Vukmir. Yes. So I think listeners remember that in 2016, all the Republican candidates, including Ron Johnson, all ran on making health care more affordable and cheaper and insisted up and down they protect people with pre-existing conditions uh, because they can read polls, not because they believe in it. So given the blatant deception, uh, the bait-and-switch that was attempted with the Affordable Care Act repeals, and all of them and the Texas cases we mentioned uh, re-legalized pre-existing condition discrimination, despite uh, incredibly intense public opposition to that, they had a very strong bipartisan public consensus that is the role of government to make sure no one is denied coverage or priced out of coverage because they have a health condition. Despite that, we had the bait-and-switch, but we thought it was appropriate we don't usually do pledges, to ask each U.S. Senate candidate to sign a pledge. It says that they would in no way support or allow, uh, going back to the bad old days when the insurance companies could deny coverage or charge discriminatory rates to people with health conditions or figure out how to force them off coverage once they, uh, they develop a health condition. And so, so far, it's been a couple weeks, Matt. Uh, we've had no response from the uh, Bukmir campaign. Uh, despite sending it to all of the uh, appropriate sources and, of course, putting it in the media, so they're certainly aware of it. There was press coverage that we were doing this. Uh, nothing from them, crickets, so to speak. And then Tammy Baldwin, who proudly signed it yesterday and had a video call from Washington uh, with a whole bunch of our members, nurses, other health professionals and patients, uh, to talk about the issue and other health care issues and to, and, to, 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 and we have a nice picture for holding up the signed pledge. So there's your clear difference in the U.S. Senate race. One candidate will not go backwards and, and return to the days of discrimination. The other candidate, who actually has a history of supporting complete deregulation and what she calls free market health care. Robert, Robert we've got to go to a break. i got to cut you off here. We've got to run to a break. We're running over. Uh, thank you so much. And I know you got to run. Uh, have a good conference down there in Chicago. We're going to take a break here. We'll be back uh, on the other side with uh, Julie Henze, our member who is running for state senate here in the Milwaukee area. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Also, we're on 1510 here in Milwaukee and on Saturday afternoons. So you can also find us there. But uh, we have these all of our shows recorded on podcasts, and you can find that on SoundCloud or iTunes. With that, we're really excited to have with us Julie Henze. Julie is running for state senate. She's a member of our organizing cooperative, and she's running real hard to win, uh, win a Republican state senate seat. Julie, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, good morning. So, Julie... You have taken on a big challenge, taking on a very important state Senate seat. It's one that has been, it's, it's, let's be blunt, it was gerrymandered to be held by Republicans. Um, but in this cycle, in this wave, in this moment, this Trump moment, this seat's definitely in play, and you are running a campaign to win. So tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and why you're running for uh, state Senate. Yes, I... 
I was in the back seat politically, um, taking a lot of our democracy for granted for most of my life. And I'm running now because I can't sit still and watch watch things happen in Wisconsin that are that's not good for our residents. Um, we are too. Our legislators are too aligned with special interests and not looking out for the needs of normal, everyday people. Uh, and I have a toolkit of skills uh, that, where I can bring people together that I've been using most of my adult life. And so I thought, I need to bring this toolbox to Madison, and we need to do it now. So so tell us a little bit more about this race, right? Like Senate District 5, where is it? Why is it so important? How are you going to win? Yep. So the district is Brookfield, Elm Grove, almost all of Wauwatosa, most of West Dallas, and the northern half of New Berlin. Um, so it, it has a, a, a whole variety of constituents from um, working class to highly educated doctors and attorneys. Um, so it's been, it's been good talking to people on their doors. Trump only beat Clinton by one point here, and Rebecca Dallet only lost in this district in her race by two points. So we're seeing that it has it has trended more blue over the last over the last four years. And when I'm knocking on doors, I hear from folks that they're really disillusioned with the Republican Party. Uh, we also have some some newer data that suggests that I have a 50-50 shot. Um, and if we win this seat, that is one of two seats we need to pick up to flip the state Senate. So this is a critical year, and we're, we're in a pivotal moment where winning my seat could make the difference in putting the brakes on Scott Walker and breaking the monopoly of power Republicans have in our state. Uh, hi, Julie. It's Rebecca with the Working Families Party. Um, so for listeners who aren't aware, and I think most probably are, this is, as Julie mentioned, one of the most competitive state Senate seats in the state, and it is by far the most competitive seat near Milwaukee. So folks who are listening on 1510 on Saturday afternoon or people who are listening um, who are in and around the Milwaukee area um, via the podcast, you know, this is close to home, one of the most competitive state Senate seats. And if we can flip the state Senate this year, which I think we can, that means a whole host of good things can happen and we can stop a whole host of bad things. And if one thing, um, one silver lining to come out of what's happening with this Trump administration right now is the reminder, the very clear reminder that we need checks and balances. And I think, you know, it's going to be very tough to win back the state assembly. Um, maybe we can do it. It's going to be very tough, but we can win back the state Senate. And if Julie wins, we will win back the state Senate. And so, uh, you know, everyone who can knock on doors, make phone calls, donate so she can get the mail out to people and make sure she reaches as many uh, voters as possible. It's critically important. Um, anyway, that said, I just wanted to ask Julie, I know you've been out working your tail off for months now. Uh, and one of the things that I think would be really interesting for listeners and certainly for myself to hear is what is it that you're hearing on the doors when you're going out and you're knocking on the doors that you mentioned, you've got, you know, doctors in your district, you've got blue collar workers in your district. You know, what are people saying to you when you show up and say, hey, I'm running for state Senate. I'm trying to make our state a better place. Yes. The, the folks in the suburbs, the doctors, the the college-educated folks, they may be um, conservative, particularly fiscally conservative, but 
they, when I, I say to them, you'd be my boss, what do you want to see fixed at the state level? And they kind of look away and shake their head and close their eyes for a second and say, you know, nothing's going to get fixed without civility. And we're tired of seeing Republican leaders fail to work across the aisle and fail to listen. Um, and one man said to me, I have been a Republican, a member of the Republican Party all my life. I will never vote for a Republican again, even if my life depended on it. And he said it with such conviction and, and disillusionment, um, I, was, I was really taken by it. Another man who's an independent in West Dallas, we had a good conversation, and in closing, he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. And his voice started to crack, and he said, I am an American and with that, he started crying, like uncontrollably crying, and had to turn around and go back inside. And that really drove home just how upset people are with the kind of disregard for democracy and the way, the way we're supposed to engage civilly or civically. Um, so that is the big takeaway. That is the really big takeaway. And... You know, people are tired of irresponsible politicians from the White House all the way down to the State House. And unfortunately, that's what my opponent continues to show. So, Julie, resources are critical in a state Senate race for our listeners. Every state Senate seat has three assembly seats within it, which means there are a lot of voters in a November election that have to be talked to, communicated, whether it be through phones, the doors, which we are will make pitches for for people to get involved in julie's campaign uh, but raising the money is critical and we are involved with a number of other groups here uh, educators uh, aft local 212 WEAC region 7 um, the progressive seniors here um, for an event to raise some resources for you next wednesday let let everybody know what's going on yeah uh, we are really looking forward to this event it's going to be at Big Head Brewery, uh, which is on State Street in Wauwatosa. And uh, it's a great chance to, um, to find out how we are going to win. Um, and we look forward to kind of engaging the people in the area uh, and getting people to sign up for knocking on doors and making phone calls. And in addition to that, there's, there's uh, Tammy Baldwin is having an event in Wauwatosa, Saturday at noon um, at, at the home of Sandy Zelmer. It's going to be a Canvas kickoff, and her address is 2472 North 65th Street. Um, so I will be there, and um, we invite everyone to show up for that. Well, that sounds like a great event. Folks, let's get out. Let's knock doors. I, you know, you can uh, knock doors before or after, meet Tammy. Um, and, and then this Wednesday, if you can't come on Saturday, Come, bring your friends, meet Julie, cut a check, cut cut a check, I sound old. So, <laughs> digitally send your money, <laughs> send your Bitcoin, all you got, over to Julie Wednesday uh, at, the, at the brewing company. Um, so, Julie, any other things you would want to say or encourage our listeners who want to get involved? Because we really want to get our folks out and helping your campaign. 
yes, you can go to our website at julieforwi.com and sign up. Um, say that you want to join the team, and we'll contact you. Um, we have, what, seven weeks left, and so this is an exciting time. Um, and, yeah, feel free to call us, go to our website, and, and see what's going on under events, uh, and we hope you'll join us. Very good. Great. I'll definitely be there Wednesday. I'm going to also try to see if I can't get out there Saturday morning and knock some doors. Julie, thanks so much for running, and thanks for joining us today on the Battleground Wisconsin. You bet. My pleasure. So obviously we're, we're very excited about all of our members that are running for office. I mentioned earlier we have 16 members that are challenging uh, Republican incumbents or, or open seats here in Wisconsin. Um, in the Eau Claire area, uh, Wendy Sue Johnson is running in Assembly District 68. We got Jeff Smith running in Senate District uh, 31. Kim Butler in the 28th in the Wausau area. We got David Gorski in the 72nd. Mark Martello in the 35th. I'm trying to remember every. I, I won't remember everyone's name, but uh, we're going to try to make sure that we talk to every one of these folks before the election uh, occurs. And after this break, we're going to talk to another one of our members who's running for office here in the Milwaukee area, and that's Emily Segris. She's running in the assembly. She's running in Assembly District 24. And so, right after this break here at the Battleground, we will be talking to Emily. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're very, very happy to have one of our members who's running for state assembly. That's Emily Segrist. Emily, welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. So, Emily, there's much we could talk about. Um, you're a healthcare professional, which here at Citizen Action we love and, you know, very active in the healthcare cooperative. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and, and why you're running for, for State Assembly? Sure. Um, so I am running in District 24, and that includes River Hills, Glendale, Brown Deer, Germantown, Menominee Falls, and Mequon. And um, I have been a healthcare provider, well, for about six years. Um, I've been in the medical field for about a little over 15 um, I started out as a combat medic in the Army National Guard, and that kind of led my way into um, my medical career. Um, initially, uh, I'm adopted. Uh, my biological mom came from Mexico, and um, I was adopted by a wonderful family in northern Minnesota, and I had a, I had a good life. Um, and after I graduated high school, I kind of floundered a little bit and um, joined the Army National Guard right after 9-11. And that wasn't a really good time to join. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you called right into duty. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I learned a lot. Um, I became a nurse afterwards and then went to University of Wisconsin-Madison and became a nurse practitioner and met my husband at the time, and we relocated to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I've practiced as a nurse practitioner um, for about the last six years in a variety of settings, emergency department, urgent care, primary care. Um, I volunteered at a free clinic on 7th and Vine and currently teaching nursing students at MSOE. Um, and so that's a little bit about me and joined, uh, decided to jump in the race after I learned about our rep my representatives. Um, I realized after Trump was elected, I needed to become more involved. And that's kind of snowballed into me running against my state representative. 
so talk a little bit about the needs of your district, you know, what folks are saying on the doors, what your your message is on the doors and, you know, why it is you mentioned that we, you know, given Trump and, and the incumbent that you're running against, you know, that there needs to be a change. But what specifically do you want to change? Sure. So um, my district is pretty diverse. Um, you know, if I'm, I go from Brown Deer to Germantown, obviously the needs are, are quite vast. Um, but the one thing that people can agree on is health care. And, um, you know, I continue to talk about pre-existing conditions and how that's going to continue to be on the chopping block. And, you know, I always say, like, if you're a woman and you've had a child, you have a pre-existing condition. So that includes many of us in the district. Um, I also talk about how it's, I think we should have a healthcare provider or um, someone that's been in the healthcare industry who understands what we're lacking should be at the state level when we're making decisions about healthcare, whether that's Badger Care for All or, or whatever it entails. I think we should have someone who has expertise at the table when we're making those decisions. And so that also resonates really well with, um, with the residents when I'm hitting the doors. Uh, so this is a very exciting race, and we're so happy that you're running, and it's a really competitive seat. Uh, what are the best ways for folks to get involved and, and help you win in November? Absolutely. Um, doors. And I'm sure, like, that's, you know, it's just over and over we hear doors, doors, doors. But it really is what is going to win. Um, you know, at the primary election, or, yeah, the primary election a couple weeks ago, um, we were on the ballot, my opponent and I, and I came within 5% of him. And I thought, well, that's pretty good considering, I, you know, now it's really go time. Now it's mailers, now it's social media, um, and hitting the doors even harder. And so I've committed to knocking doors every day until the election. And today is day 14 of my commitment to myself and to hitting the doors. Um, I have a driver from one to three, and so we'll probably cover 70 doors this afternoon. Um, and so it's really having conversations with Wisconsinites and finding out what's really important to them. It's very intimidating for many people to do the doors, and I do understand that. So there's also, there's phone banking. Um, we're gonna have a couple postcard parties like uh, Rebecca Dallet did when she ran, um, and donating. And we will have um, lists to how you can volunteer in Emily's campaign on our website. Um, for folks who get our Citizen Action Weekly, um, we're going to also include all of the volunteer opportunities, and Emily definitely will be included in that. Um, look, I just want to add one of the unique things, and we've talked about this, is, is there, there haven't been people like Emily running in these seats previously that are that are actually going out and knocking doors you heard it you heard, she's she's in day 14 of consecutive door knocking right we sometimes have targeted districts we don't have people knocking doors like that and that's super important because these are areas where um, things are changing there's there's opportunity mm -hmm. and people talk about the blue wave I hear so much about the blue wave we talk about the blue wave the blue wave is either created or crests in districts like this by actually having these conversations with these voters who haven't been talked to, right. who feel frustrated, who want to hear about that healthcare message you're talking about. And so, you know, you don't have to always go knocking, you know, these places you're always told you need to go. If you go volunteer for Emily, you're going to be talking to the kind of voters that not only are going to help Emily, but will help Tony, will mm -hmm. help Tammy, will help Josh, will help, you know, Mandela, 
will help us win up and down the ticket. Right. Um, so it's really, really critical work. And if you have sort of anxieties around that, we all do. I still do sometimes when I go to doors. Just go do it, overcome it. It's a wonderful experience. And it's what we got to start doing in places like where Emily's running if we are going to change the state over the next 10 years. Absolutely. So like Rebecca had mentioned earlier, is that we need to win 15 seats in order to flip the state legislature. And I don't know if we'll be able to do it in 2018. However, the way we're going to do it is targeting races like Liz Sumner in the 23rd, my district in the 24th. Um, you know, Chris Ralph is amazing. I know her district's really tough, but like she's a phenomenal candidate and we should be supporting her too in the 60th district. And so it's not just focusing on races that are super close to Milwaukee, we need to look statewide and seeing, you know, who can we ha help? Kim Butler, um, you know, in, this, in the 26th, Rebecca uh, Clark and Nanette um, and so forth. So we have all these wonderful candidates that we really do need to see how we can help um, push them over the edge because, you know, like I said, 15 seems pretty, pretty large. But like if we can win eight this year and 2020, bring that on, I mean, we're looking at a completely different state in a couple of years, which is what we want. Oh, yeah, I, I just, you know, you mentioned Chris Rolfe, and I, I just want to make a remark that it's really exciting. We talk about all the time how there are so many women who are stepping up to run, but I'm also really excited by how many progressive veterans and people who have served this country are running, and you and Chris and Randy Bryce in the 1st Congressional District, mm -hmm. um, who are you know, who are running in such a committed way as a continuation of their service. And, you know, Matt mentioned earlier that there are candidates even in targeted seats who aren't working as hard as you are. And it's like inspiring and makes me grateful to know that there are people who are putting like all of their time, that's time away from your family, right? That's, you know, time on the doors where you're probably exhausted and hungry and tired. And every day you're out there talking to more and more people um, because you are really putting your body and everything on the line to try to make the state a better place and it inspires me to want to knock on doors for you and i know that you know knocking doors for you will help the rest of the ticket but i hope the rest of the ticket helps you because like you're yeah, you're somebody yeah. who like is inspiring to me and you know i think these are like really troubling times and um you know having having candidates who um are working so hard for the right reasons um gives me a lot of hope so oh i i totally agree uh any other thoughts emily or things for folks who want to get involved, want to uh, help, or, or want to donate, yes. right? What, what should they do? Absolutely. Um, so September 18th at 530, um, I'm having a fundraiser. My friend Chris is, uh, is hosting it for me at the Wisconsin Club. Um, and so if you're interested in um, attending or you're, not able to or you're not able to attend but you can donate, um, please check out emilysegrist4wi.com and the information will be there. I do need to update my website. Um, that's one thing that's kind of been on the back burner. But, um, and then, yeah, my email address is on there, emily at emilysegrist4wi.com. So contact me if you're interested in volunteering, donating, whatever it is. Um, I would greatly appreciate it. We're going to canvas on Sunday. Um, there's probably about 10 to 12 of us that are going to go out in Germantown and we're going to hit it hard because um, that's a big district of a big municipality of my district. And um, so, yeah, there's, I'm, like I said, I'm going to be out every day. So, contact me and let me know. Yeah, if you live in Emily's district, please don't don't travel, right? Go work in Emily's district. You will make a huge difference up and down the ticket. Uh, and, and don't feel like you need to, quote, go somewhere where there's 
you know, something else to do, do that maybe once or twice, but please make sure you volunteer in your own areas because that's Absolutely. how we're, we're going to change these places over the next 10 years. This is going to be critical uh, beyond gerrymandering, right, right. Uh, how we can change this. So, Emily, uh, we want to thank you so much, first, for being a member, for running, and for being a leader on healthcare. Uh, folks may not know this, but uh, when Tony Evers kicked off his big healthcare push with his ad and everything, Emily was a speaker at one of his media events and talked very passionately the story she talked about why healthcare is so important. So she's not just running her own race. She's thinking up and down the ticket how she can be a leader. So we really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. All right, folks, get out there. Get out and support people this weekend. We only have a few weeks left. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildred, who makes it happen every week. We want to thank Emily Seagrass for joining us. And, of course, we want to thank Julie Henze for joining us. We'll see you next week at The Battleground Wisconsin.